Wow, cool. We got a lot of cool stuff happening. Tonight's really going to be amazing. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. I don't know. We haven't done it with a tent before, but I think that's going to even be better. So uh, that's tonight. I thank God for that tent, man. That has served us so well during this really crazy time, isn't it? So uh, also the veteran thing really touched my heart. And uh, so my son's a veteran. And um, so you guys that are veterans, I just encourage you uh, to send your picture in. Or, and uh, if you didn't quite get the information you need, I'm sure it's in the bulletin that we hand out. And by the way, those bulletins give all the same information. So if you see the video go, oh, I, I missed something. What, what is that again? Just look in the bulletin. It'll give you all the information that you need. So today I want to talk about the amazing body of Christ. And... Um, I just want to start with this verse. This is so amazing. Let us not give up meeting together. Aren't you glad you didn't give up meeting together today in this place? It was amazing. I don't know how it came across on the live stream, but there's nothing but glory in this place today. I'll tell you, it was amazing. There's always glory in here. Never, God's presence never fails to show up. It's a combination of the worship and music, but also God's people. When we sing, even when you sing all together, you notice that, that there's a sound and then there's the sound of God, right? I never get tired of that sound. Let us not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing this. So way back even then, at the beginning of the church, people get saved and have a hard time getting together. Isn't that interesting? Instead, let us cheer each other up with words of hope. That's in the NIRV, the New International, what is that, reader's version, I think, or something. But anyway, but the same just, you've heard in other versions, but Let's don't give up each other, uh, meeting together, but let's do this as a habit. Let's meet together to encourage one another, to cheer each other up, give each other hope. And that's what we do when we meet together. And uh, I, I do believe it's been one of the main challenges of this uh, pandemic is meeting together. And uh, I like the live stream and I listen to it and I listen to all kinds of things on the live stream, watch it and stuff. But there's just nothing like the presence with all of us here. And... Uh, after having a few meetings in here without everybody here, boy, I tell you what, <laughs> I don't ever want to go to that place again, you know. So, uh, and it's just the supernatural presence of God. We're going to explain a little bit of that in this sermon today. But I want to just start with a very candid research project and a well-done research project, by the way. I have a little medical background, a little scientific background because of my upbringing. So when I look at research studies and see how they're done and everything, uh, um, I just have a little critical eye, on, and especially the title of this one, and if you haven't seen it already, it just came out a few days ago in Christianity Today. The title is, Empty Pews are an American Public Health Crisis. Thoroughly, it thoroughly documents a decrease in church attendance as significantly harming the well-being of those who have stopped attending. Now, I, I knew that a long time ago, because when you come, we gather together as we're going to see through the scriptures, God's here in a special way where he's not. That's why we have a special caveat where two or three are gathered, right? And it could be two or three here. But if two or three causes something great, how about three or four hundred, five hundred, a thousand? How about that? All in one accord. Not just gathering, but gathering together on the same page, worshiping with all their heart, thinking about God, honoring God, praying for each other, and so on, right? So this study is a fascinating study. It's by these two authors, Tyler and Brendan, we'll call them, and you see their names there. And they examined data from various sources, including the behavior of participants from the Nurses' Health Study, which followed more than 70,000 health workers over a period of 16 years. So some of those results of their study, uh, and they 
focus the whole thing on those that attended church and those that didn't, those that attended regularly and those that didn't. And uh, on the back side of your outline here, got this little nifty chart, and it gave the result of their research, right? 33% risk of death over time, period. 84% risk of suicide, we're talking all about decreased, reduced. 29% risk of depression. A 50% risk of divorce, decreased. 68% reduced risk of deaths of despair for women, reduced risk of death of despair for men, 33%. Reduced risk of adolescent illegal drug use, 33%. Reduced risk of adolescent depression, 12%. Remarkable, isn't it? This was a very, very well done study. I wouldn't normally put a study like that, but it was so amazing because it's just part of something that I've been telling all of you for many, many years. From my vantage point, as I've walked through life all these years now, you have to be crazy not to come to church. I mean, this is not even like the deeper issues of, of what we would do in our walk with the Lord, right? It's, it's just uh, uh, just coming and making a practice to assemble together. And um, so look at some of the conclusions from their extensive research. Our research suggests that religious services, religious service attendance specifically, rather than private practices or even self-assessed religion or spirituality, most powerfully predicts health. We're talking about mental health and physical health. Religious observance seems to decrease depression and increase life satisfaction, particularly by expanding participants' networks of social support as well as by promoting optimism or hope and a sense of meaning in life. Wow. So the thing is, I can feel the presence of God just coming right in here. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you could didn't feel it, but I, I'm pretty sensitive. And, uh, it's, uh, you know the presence of God's here when there kind of is a quiet, and it's just a like that. Because uh, I've known this for a long time. I didn't need statistics to tell me this. I've been pastoring for a long, long time now. And I've been watching for many, many years. And before that, I was a part of a great church, a great Presbyterian church. Amazing. These people loved each other so much and still do. It's still going strong. I mean, they're doing great. And now that many of them are older, a lot older, even older than me, they're still doing it. They're still helping one another. They're still supporting one another. They're still encouraging one another. It's just an amazing thing. And they've taught their kids to do that the same, and the grandkids, and us as well. So it's very, very powerful. I've seen so many needs met. I mean, even if I didn't know the Lord and I just gave up on God, I would say, hey, if you've got any kind of need, I highly recommend go to a church. <laughs> just start hanging out there. Because someone there has an answer to your problem. Someone there, if you know it well enough, they'll find something, whatever it is. It's like one big lost and found apartment, you know. And it's God working through the people to help people along. The deeper you go into it, the more you commit to this assembly or any assembly, the more you get out of it. You can't outgive God. So you start giving your life in a way of assembly, and God will put it back on you. Good measure. Press down, shaking together. It's just the law of sowing and reaping. And yes, we don't look too spectacular, and sometimes we don't do so spectacularly. Sometimes we're crashing and burning. Sometimes we're a pillar of the church, and the next thing we know, we're on the flat on the ground on our back, right? There's all kinds of oscillations. But in the end, in the end, as I've watched the course of people's lives, 
no matter how horrible the circumstance, no matter if somebody died or didn't, or someone was healed or wasn't, whatever it is, it always turns out better. Always turns out better to be connected to a church. I think we're feeling that more, although I think that probably one of the problems of this pandemic, it's made people so intimidated and so afraid that they've kind of lost the swing or the feeling of it, thought maybe even the live stream would, could be a substitute, which it can be. Actually, what we're preaching and teaching and worshiping is good, but that person with uh, skin on that has God in them that might just spontaneously say a word to you in a, uh, through a conversation or you might overhear something or might walk up and pray for you no apparent reason and wonder if they have an unusual ability to heal the sick and they come up and pray for you to get well. Wonder if they have amazing resource in a certain area or counsel or knowledge or something and you discover they're there. Wonder if spontaneous, and this thing happens all the time when people get together. So these statistics do not surprise me at all. It might surprise you, but not me. Not at all. Matter of fact, in some categories, I think it might even be higher. These percentages, you know, they got out of the, and that's on the back here bulletin. You can just read through it again. It's just remarkable. They followed this group of people, and they found out that people that went to church, not they didn't even measure it by how spiritual you were, how deep you were, whatever. They just made church a regular test, something they did, and they didn't just uh, call it a, a great church or this kind of church, a Catholic church, a Protestant church. All churches, just this is the way it works. This is the way the thing plays out. Those statistics that you say you see, far less negativity. Huh? Many Christians experience church attendance as number three in your outline there, as an encounter with God made flesh. In the Bible as well as in the church, we see God's power alongside. And this is interesting. The forces we can study. So they actually studied. They actually followed it up. They studied this. It's really a remarkable thing, right? Religious communities provide a strong social safety net. Now, that's something that's easy to understand, that other institutions can't replace. I say can't replace. I'm sure there's other institutions that can care for you. But because of Jesus on the inside of you, we have this tendency to be like him, which means we have this sacrificial tendency to devote way too much time, way too much money, way too much energy to people that sometimes really don't deserve it at all. That would be all of us. But still... Know, even rascals and people have been out of sorts and people even can't stand the church but get the benefit just by hanging around. It's amazing. It's amazing. I've seen this close up in so many ways because there's a safety net. There are people, people just for, there are people that are goodwilled, listening to God. They have resources, they have things and, and actually part of their job as we're going to see is they're supposed to be releasing whatever resources they have, whatever giftings or talents, right? That's part of the great adventure. But if you don't have a place to do it, it's kind of difficult. You can still do it, though. You can still be a blessing to your community and outside the church. But it just seems that there's these divine appointments, these divine setups. And it's amazing how many people mess up in this direction. I think there's a scripture, and it's in various versions. He who isolates himself quarrels against all sound wisdom. Now, that was an Old Testament passage, but the same idea. God's people... Where the action is, God's people have an interest in you because the Spirit of God puts it on them, right? This has important, this is number four, this has important implications not only for religious communities themselves, but also for counseling and health care, for public policy, and for individuals and for families. You don't want to mess with the church. <laughs> we do too much good on the earth. We're behind almost everything that you see out there that's ministering to the homeless and directly or indirectly. 
we got our fingers in everything because God puts us in those unique places for care, public policy, and for individuals and for families. Religious participation is not simply a matter of civil liberties, but also a significant health concern for all of us, for our whole nation. We haven't even talked about what we touch invisibly by gathering together and praying and interceding, right? Well, the full revelation of Scripture reveals that God lives in his church, so that's a big reason why all these things are true. Listen to what Jesus said about us. By the way, for all our warts and problems, for all of our insignificances and for all of our weakness, Jesus is always proud of his kids, always proud of his church because the living God lives inside of them. And when they get, come together, the living God lives in us together. Truly, I tell you, whatever you, that's a plural you, bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Wow. How do we do that? Well, simply prayer or even our actions to bring justice, to bring knowledge, to bring expertise in a situation. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's one thing to bind and loose on this, this level, but to bind it up on a higher level where principalities and powers and malevolent beings work and are always trying to damage. Here's a hint. The thief comes only to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. That's a pretty big difference right there. Yes, there's a real live devil. Matter of fact, I think probably most people believe there's a devil even more than they believe there's a God because they can see the insanity. They can see the, the just uh, unbelievably chaotic thing that happens in the nations, from the natural disasters to the things that people inflict on each other, the things that don't make any sense, the random violence, all of it, right? Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven. So the devil's busy loosing. So the church is also busy loosing. You take the church out, you have the great tribulation. <laughs> tribulation like nobody's ever seen before. While we're here, we're the salt, we're light. We cause things to be different. Again, truly I tell you, and it gets better with this verse. This is Matthew 18, 19. Truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, Wow. I wonder if a hundred of us agreed about something. I wonder if two hundred of us agreed about something. But just two. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And here's the key. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. That's why a church service is so important. I'm talking about really this interesting thing. This whole thing was about service. It was about a church service gathering together in Jesus' name. Right? He wasn't trying to evaluate if you did this specific practice or you were this kind of Christian or that. It's just people following them say, hey, yes, I go to church regularly or no, I don't. And then what the result was. So we fill in all the blanks just by the scriptures understanding one blank that's filled in is where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Jesus is here right now in a way that he's not when I'm alone. So here I am gathered in his name and there's a whole bunch of people gathered in his name and he's here. That's the whole point. When God's there, how do you know good things happen? <laughs> right? Especially in the dimensions we're talking about. Paul metaf Paul's metaphor of the church as the body of Christ is powerful and it's real. So he compares us to a human body. 
I want to read these verses. They're so significant for us. They just help us understand the intimacy and the depth. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 12 to 31. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. It's interesting. I'm just thinking, I, a few weeks ago, I, I went to my mother's church, a Presbyterian church. And, uh, and so uh, the services are a little different than ours, but fairly similar, you know, and there's worship and there's, there's preaching and all those things. But uh, I, 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 we were visiting and, and I thought, ah, I'm kind of tired, you know, I don't know. You know, if I want to go, I, you know, and so I'm going back and forth. Finally, I just thought, you know what? I want to go because I want to find God. I want to meet God. So I went and that, and my uh, church I was raised in, and oh my goodness, the glory of God came down on me. You know, and uh, I was trying not to be too demonstrative. They're not that demonstrative. In <laughs> so I'm trying not to say, praise God, or <laughs> something too loud, you know. But oh I'm thinking... How is this happening? This is amazing. This worship is killing me. It's just, I mean, kill, killing me in a good way. I mean, I'm feeling the, this is amazing. But I, I got to say something. No, I, well, I better not. But it, wow, this is amazing. And the message was incredible. Just pierced me. I'm thinking, oh, God. Because I, I know this principle. And I thought, you know, I, I just need to be close to God today. And there he was in all his glory. And those people were so sincere, full of worship and Oh, just lovely, right? Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. <laughs> so that happens to us. We get offended or we're not used enough or something's, you know, not whatever. So we say, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be a part of that, that thing, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Be careful how you say that. That's right. uh, Eddie, on that meeting that we went with John... That's what I said before I walked in that door and ended up on the floor for an hour or so. I don't think I belong here. Wow. <laughs> I think I belong now, God. I surprised spent an hour on the floor crying my eyes out, right? Spontaneously. And God does that sometimes, but usually not so dramatic. I just, I needed a, a voice from my sponsor. <laughs> and some of you may have had that happen today, or maybe it's not quite that dramatic, but... Uh, just a sense of, well, okay, I'm in the right place. Yeah, I probably should come to this place a little bit more, you know. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of, of hearing be? We need everybody. This is a dramatic passage. Everybody has something special about them. Everybody has something unique. Whether it's their background or whether that's a spiritual gift or whether it's something they do in business or whatever. Every, our whole life, we're all special, all unique. All of us do something and all of us can contribute something. And, and sometimes we're called on at the most perfect moment, you know. And sometimes we're maybe, you know, not doing much for a while. But no, nevertheless, this is such a beautiful revelation. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear... Where would the sense of smell be? Well, I think all of us would probably like to sing like Chris, but not going to happen. But you have your own Amen. blessing. You have your own thing that God so appreciates. God likes the pieces of the church. He likes every bit of it. He likes all of it. 
He likes what you have to offer when you just raise your voice and praise. He likes what you have to offer when you give that special greeting to someone or pat someone on the back or encourage them or pray for them, whatever. He likes it all. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they're all in part, part, one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And those parts that are unrepresented, are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there'd be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. Sometimes I think people come in in their weakness just so other people can be strong for them and fulfill the calling and the gifting that they have on their life. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, first, uh, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, of helps, helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret and now eagerly desire the greater gifts? And there's a lot more gifts than these mentioned in other places in the Bible. Maybe 30 or so, maybe more. Specific giftings, everything from artistic expression and gifting there, all the way to prophecy, to helps, to encouragement, to uh, teaching, to, to service, to hospitality. I love that one. Uh, all of them, you know, they're an amazing set of gifts, all the way from the supernatural in the, in the sense of being above natural, and then in the natural, but supernatural. They're all supernatural, but all of them have these amazing uh, pleasant things they offer to other people and cause the whole uh, church to be alive and, and, and refreshed, right? Everyone's gift is important, and that's the key. That's what we see here. You might want to say, you know, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong. You know, I, I don't do this, I don't do that. But the, the revelation is, and this is what we have to listen to and look for, is I count. There's something about me that is unique. Not just unique in the world, but unique to this place, to the place where I choose to go and spend that significant time in church. We really do need one another. Never underestimate how much. This is God's design. Again, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Just trying to say how important. Everybody's important. Everybody has something unique. Everyone has a special testimony, a special tale to tell about their life, something that God did. Everyone is important. Now, thing is, think about this. This is near the headwaters of the church. So Paul was having to speak this even at the very beginning of the church life where we see so much power and living apostles running around. But those living apostles couldn't be there all the time, the Peters and the Johns, right? So instead he brought Fred and George and Suzanne. And <laughs> he was telling them, listen, you're powerful not because of us. You're powerful because of the Spirit of God that lives in you, plurally. The Spirit of God that's on you as a family, as a church as a group, right? This is God's design. 
Our unity is everything. Therefore, we must be careful to give honor to those gifts that are less visible. This produces belonging and unity. As a matter of fact, God brings people in the church, to the church, that are weak. And you were brought here by God, not only because you had a need to be met, but because other people needed to minister to you. In other words, the way that we receive is giving, right? The way on is to give, right? So you're taking away somebody's blessing if you don't come in your weakness and let us do something for you. Doesn't that sound opposite? It sounds weird, doesn't it? But the truth is, you and your weakness are needed by our church. We, we need to do this. We need to be givers. We need to learn to be taught God's ways. We need to be looking like Jesus. And how are we going to look like Jesus if everybody looks like Jesus already? Amen. Amen. It's not too, many, too hard to find people in here and everywhere in the churches that don't look like Jesus. Because all of us have pieces of our life and parts of us that don't look like Jesus. And need to be filled and touched by someone else to show us the way and to mature and to grow and to prosper. And all of this is going to send you to a place of abandon to giving. Well, the most significant things about church isn't that you receive, it's that you give. But even when you do that, it comes back on your head. You lose the opportunity when you don't become a living, giving part of the church because it comes back on your head. You can't ever outgive God. So he gives this amazing opportunity of weak, broken people, people with special needs, to even fill your own need. Yes. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Yes, because it's more honorable, because it's more like God. But yes, it's more blessed to give than to receive because of what comes back on your own head. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Are you getting the cycle here? Yes. It's amazing how God does this. How beautiful is the beautiful body of Christ. Thank you, Lord. I was just thinking of... Uh, Psalm 133. And I've seen it in my notes, so I must be needing to talk about this. But I want to just read these verses from Psalm 133. I think we felt a little bit of this today. It's one of the most beautiful psalms in the Bible. And it's just right along what we've been talking about today. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. There the Lord bestows his blessing. I like that, even life forevermore. Because we're not talking just in terms of ordinary things that we've documented that it's a good idea to go to church for your own welfare on this earth, but we're talking about supernatural, eternal things. Things that we say, things that we do, credit to our account, ways we help people, ways they're helped, dwelling together in unity in God's cause and the earth, right? So uh, look at Roman numeral three. We can happily experience the fullness of Christ that spills out into the world through a revelation of the love of Christ and the full release of spiritual gifts Christ apportions in the body of Christ. One of my favorite passages in the whole Bible is Ephesians chapter 3. Um, and so this is a very powerful revelation, but sometimes uh, we read verses you know, over and over and over again. 
But then there are those days when we actually begin to experience the fullness of what those verses mean. So I want just to show you something from Ephesians 13, Ephesians 3:14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Notice that, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Just think about that one for a moment. I don't think Paul's praying prayers to just give a nice poem. Actually, I probably wouldn't even believe this prayer if... A few years ago, I had not encountered the love of God on the level that I encountered it. And there was a paradigm for it. Thank God that Eddie, who's here today, sort of paved the way for us to have a deeper paradigm of what it might feel like to experience the love of God. It's there in the scripture every day. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We could do that from the time we're this little, learn that little jingle or, or little verses like it. But the glory of God is that this is really true, that the Lord really does want to reveal. As a matter of fact, he's praying. Do you think Paul's praying because he hadn't experienced this? Is Paul praying because he's just wanting to say a really nice poem to the people? Or is this a reality? And if this is a reality, wow, this one's worth the price of admission, isn't it? Yes. And if God inhabits the praises of his people, you might expect this part of his inhabitation, only his power, but this compassion, this deep... Uh, move of God, this sense of God's presence. The most wonderful thing about God's presence is his love. People talk about love all the time, but don't experience it on a very deep level. I know for years I did that, but I didn't know how deep it could be. I had nobody telling me that. I had nobody explain that to me. I had nobody that believed it, and I had nobody that was praying for that over me, right? I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, it must be possible they have power together with all the Lord's holy people. It must have been part of the formula of that time. Other people were experiencing this. But look what he's talking about here. Could you just pause for a moment and just let this sink deep on the inside, let you get the full revelation of this, to grasp, to get a revelation of, just like you got a revelation that Jesus was your Lord and Savior, that you need to give your life to him, and he'd forgive you of your sins. That was a revelation. That revelation took you from hell to heaven. Security, where you're going to go, a whole other way of living. But look at this. Here's part of the outflow of that salvation. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. All right, if you take that literally, and I think we should take it a lot more literally, every day I'm discovering in my own life new dimensions of his experience with God. It's like an amazing thing. It's, it's, more than, it's the most un, undoubtedly... I mean, I, I love it when I pray in faith and I see someone get well. I love it when I pray in faith and I see someone get saved. I love it when I pray in faith and I see my kids doing better and, and doing what they should do and getting married to the right person. And I love all of that. But this part here, that I might have power together with all of you, interesting there, together with all of you, not just me alone, but here's our calling as a church. This is what we all get to experience Maybe even together is better. Maybe this anointing resides sometimes in us all. Together. 
I mean, could you feel the love of God when we were worshiping today? Could you feel the thing that... It was not only the worship, but it was this pleasant connection. It was grasping God's love. Grasping the beauty of God's love and the beauty of his people. And he certainly sees us in that beautiful way. And he really likes us to know that he sees us this way. That he sees us this way. Oh, we could point to 100 warts, 50 different things wrong. Even look across the room and think, what's he doing here? (laughs) Same thing you're doing here. You're just not in touch with what you need. (laughs) Right? Somewhere along the way, you lost that little revelation of what you did a couple of weeks ago or how you've been living or the complaining you've been doing and all the rest of it, right? May have power to give all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Are you kidding me? There's something in God that could get me to grasp that. I could actually grasp that. That could actually be happening in my soul or some measure of it. Even a little piece of that in my soul. But that's what he's saying. I'm praying. I'm asking. Because evidently, the people of that day were experiencing that. Evidently, he was experiencing that. And that's... What was in Jesus, that's what's sent into the cross. That's what was in those apostles. When they were laying down their life. It wasn't just duty and responsibility. Discipline will only take you so far. But love will take you all the way. All the way to laying your life down for someone else. That's what love will do. He's talking about that. He said, you know, I'm praying that you guys will get this. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Not just knowledge about God, but... The internal awareness of God, the the sense of God, the the sense of his love that doesn't even need words. You just feel the hug on the inside, and it's real, and it's powerful, and it's overwhelming. It surpasses knowledge that you know about God. Jesus loves me this, I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yes, but the Spirit speaks those words down into your spirit in a way that you can't imagine. That you may be filled to what? The measure of all the fullness of God. Now, okay, what did he say? <clears throat> okay, go back. That this knowledge that touches you, it, it, what happens is if, when that happens to you, the love that surpasses knowledge that you may be, then the other thing happens, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, every part of God, every dimension of God. If the love's there, then the fullness is there. If the love's not there, you're missing something pretty significant. <laughs> right? Can I just speak to any of you that maybe came here feeling a little less than spiritual, a little less than successful? Could I just say that God's not sitting out there with the measuring rod, measuring you up as you came in, or maybe even measuring you the way you measured 15 other people in the room when you came in? He's after this. He's after the full measure. He's after you knowing that he loves you so amazingly, so deeply, and that he wants to fill every part, even when you've been a stinker, (laughs) even when you know that you just haven't quite got it right, even when you feel so insecure and afraid and so disappointed even in God. But see, the thing is, Paul says, that's why we pray. I tell you, this is the most powerful prayer you could pray. Where no matter where you're at, whether you feel successful in God or whether you don't, to be able to grasp somehow by revelation, and I tell you, it can come just like that. It never comes by your earning or being a good boy or a good girl. Is that as your concentration can make you one of the meanest Christians around. 
I'm a good boy. What about you? <laughs> How often did Jesus look around and say, see that guy over there? <laughs> see that one over there? They're going to get in heaven before you. The tax collectors were one of my favorites. Everybody hated the tax collectors. And the day Jesus called the tax collector out and said, I want to sit at your house, Matthew. I want to hang out with you. Whoa. Wow. I want you to grasp, he says, together with all those people, to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of God, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. By God's grace, Lord, I pray that our church would always be a place where people could even touch a little bit of that, experience it without too much resistance, too much religious spirit, too much whatever, so that we get the good stuff, Lord. <laughs> Matter of fact, may that be our prayer. I don't think we could pray a more pr- important prayer than that. Now, I want you to notice this fullness of prayer. It says, the measure of all the fullness of God. And then if you turn the page to chapter 4 of Ephesians. But to each one of us, this is verse 7, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. So we all have something special, a certain grace, spiritual gift that God's given us. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Now you know there's a lot of cunning and crafty people with this little scheming going around here. Instead, speaking the truth and love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, and that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So as we do our part, as we present our gift, we help the body grow, and all of us mature, all of us grow up, and all of us are built up, and everybody's important, everybody contributes. So we have not only a vertical component of the measure, of full measure of God coming down, but we have this ministry that we do to one another, which also becomes, whereby we become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the fullness of Christ comes from this vertical thing, but also from the horizontal thing happening as we equip one another, as we encourage one another, as we exhort one another, as we love one another. It's another way. But its result is the fullness, the fullness of Christ. That's an amazing thing as each part does its work. So everybody's important. Everybody's needed. Everybody has something to do, little and big. There are times when you can put more time into us, and there are times when you put less time in us. But everyone should put some time in us. You don't need to give financially. You get to give financially. It's part of the way the church is built up. Our gifts, whether they're financial gifts or practical things, serving in some way, volunteering at the harvest party thing that we're going to do, pulling your car up, giving away candy to kids, whatever it is. <laughs> it's all good. It's one reason why I love the warehouse so much. It's just full of people giving. 
They not only have jobs, but they're giving. They're giving, they're giving, they're giving. To many times the weakest people. And I really like that. But God likes that. But we have all kinds of opportunities in our family and outside. But there's something unique about all of us moving together as one in all of our different respectives and accomplishing something in a region and an area. Part of this is this direct love, and the other part of it is all our gifts and manifestations that include other people from the outside and bring them in that loves our area, loves our region, and love one another. All of this is the fullness of Christ. The title of this message is The Amazing Body of Christ and the Amazing Father in Heaven and Jesus and the Holy Spirit that help us to be amazing. We can happily and faithfully administer God's grace to each other. We see this in uh, Scripture, 1 Peter uh, 4, verses 7 11. I want to read these verses as well. They're just wonderful verses. The end of all things is near. Well, that's an ominous thing. <laughs> I don't know. It feels pretty close to me even now. <laughs> right? I got all kinds of ominous things going on. And if you don't know about those ominous things, wake up, wake up. <laughs> There's some serious stuff coming down. <laughs> Man, wait, wait, everything from our government, the way people are responding and all kinds of things. Probably shouldn't say this in detail, but I had a meeting with some other pastors the other day. Whoa. Let's just say that the lines have fallen to our church in pleasant places. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Such devastation. You know, this meeting together thing is a big deal. We, we insisted yes. on it. And, and it's far more important than even I knew at the time. It's important. Really important. No, I, I mean, yeah, you could do the live stream, and, 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 and that's good. And, and I do all the time, too. I listen to all kinds of things. But together, God with skin on, face to face, not only here in the larger gathering, but in the smaller gatherings we do. And the smaller gatherings are some of the most important things we do, like on Wednesday nights or home groups or small groups or, or healing prayer or um, whatever way we find, whether you're in the prophetic ministry or, or, or whether you're praying for healing for one another, mental healing and emotional healing, Thrive Ministries, whatever we do around here face to face is, 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 is very, very powerful. I've been saying this uh, all along, but anyway. <laughs> but I just caught this. The end of all things is near, you know. And, like, it wasn't the end of all things. We know that from history, but when the Roman government's coming down on you and your friends are getting killed and and Jesus has come already, you're thinking, well, we're, we must be... And then, then your homeland dies, right? Jerusalem's destroyed. There's no more Israel. To this writer, Peter... Wow, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert. So if wherever we're at on that scale, still same advice. Be alert and of sober mind. Alert would be probably alert to the very issues I'm talking about. What it is that you need to survive and do well. What do you need? You need a people and you need God. You need them both. And need them specific, defined. This is where I hang out. This is where... Who are my people? This is where I'm throwing my energy and my time. You could do it for the broader body of Christ, too. We do. We do that all the time. Mission stations and places all over the earth. But it comes from here. The blessing we're able to be in the rest of the world comes from the life here, which is even more amazing, because we're able to fling life out to the ends of the earth, literally. 
because of what happened here. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I love it so much when people do that. Here, take my car. Here, you know, I have a room. Why don't you take it for a while? We have, in this time and day, such a need, and I'm so grateful that we've been able to connect the warehouse and the finances we're able to produce with the community and also find ways, you know, some 60 this year, I think, somewhere in that neighborhood of people we found that were homeless that are not homeless now or on their way to being not homeless. It's amazing. And you caused all that by your willingness to offer hospitality, to allow us to do these things, to work or to give something. Or There's not a day that goes by. Somebody doesn't donate a car. Uh, somebody doesn't donate some clothing. Somebody doesn't do- donate food. Matter of fact, many of us are just trying, looking for an opportunity to do it. It's a beautiful thing. Yes, love, or, love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So you need to be faithful to what God's given you. And it doesn't need to be super duper. Just be faithful to what you have, whether it's financial or whether it's something you can do or volunteer or whatever. And by the way, for you that are homeless or about to be homeless or whatever, listen, the worst thing you can do is become a victim. Just stop it. No, I'm serious. I'm giving you the wise counsel. I don't care how low you've been. Believe me, I've worked for years and years with people that are broken and beaten up and on their last leg. But I can help them, but I only help to help them again until they discover Jesus and start being a giver. Sometimes that process may take a while, and I'm glad to give, and we're glad to give for if it takes you years to get all that revelation. But somewhere along the line, you've got to stop thinking like a victim, and you've got to believe that you are someone special, that you have something special to give, that you are important, and you are not only a taker, but you are a giver. And when you do that, you will find that God will bless you even more than you thought you could ever. If you want a fast restoration project... Just learn to be a giver while you're at the very bottom. And I don't care if all you have to give is five cents or rub two nickels together or help somebody. I've seen it over and over again. If you can just somehow uh, reach that place where you're a victim and kind of start living like you're a giver, even when you might have just a little to give, just give that thing. I tell you, God will take it. He'll multiply it. He'll take you to a new place. And that applies to not only finances, but applies to every area of your life. Maybe you think you're not qualified to talk about marriage. Maybe you've, you've been divorced or there's been problems. You are absolutely qualified to talk about it. You know where it goes when it goes wrong. Yeah. And you have a special compassion in your heart for that. And there's other things like that, just like that. Where you failed are some of your greatest successes. Where you've been weak is where you're strong. God didn't recruit heroes. He just recruited you and me. <laughs> and he makes us heroes. That's the whole thing. That's the glory of the whole deal. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received, including those bad memories and that horrible thing that happened to you in the hospital and that horrible thing that happened when you were being raised. That's a gift you've received so you can serve others with the healing and the answer and the faith. You can tell them, look, I went through it. You can get over this. You can do it. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, you become a steward of God's grace precisely the place where you're the most weak, precisely the place where you've overcome, surprise, surprise, precisely in the place where you didn't have anything and now you do. And you might not have it all. You don't have to be perfect. You weren't made to be perfect. Your best messages come out of your worst weakness. That's where it comes from. That's the whole thing. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. 
Yes, we don't look too good. That's the beauty of it. God works through us anyway. And this limping group of people that just sometimes seem so weak, oh, they are so strong. And when they cry out in prayer together, oh my, the earth shakes. The earth's shaking right now. Multiplied millions of prayers are going up. And if you think this environment that we're in are going to end up crashing, that nothing crashes till the church leaves. <laughs> well, we're here. <laughs> Nothing's going to crash. It may change form. But we're going to find a way to be glorious anyway. More successful, more fruitful, more blessed than every way you can imagine. Now, can I say that over your individual life? Maybe you've experienced a horrible divorce. Maybe you've experienced a horrible sickness. Maybe you've been in a place where your kids are all AWOL. It's all right. And your weakness, your prayer mouth with your wife or husband or with others, changing, rearranging that circumstance gives you a testimony to tell, right? And now you're a faithful steward of God's grace in its various forms. And its various forms came when you were weak. That's how grace came to you. You're at the bottom. Sometimes it comes to you when you're doing pretty good. But God's grace comes in various forms. That's so we need to be faithful stewards. We need to be making sure that we take that testimony, what God's done for us, and make sure we reproduce it for other people. And again, how do you get God's grace? You didn't have very much. <laughs> you failed miserably. You fell. You, whatever you did. If anyone speaks, they should speak as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do what the strength God provides. So when we do those sort of things, look what it says, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. In all things, all our ordeals, through all people, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever and ever. If you look at the very end of the outline, the word steward is an interesting verse. We're stewards, right? We steward the grace of God. It's the Greek word oikonomos, Oiko meaning house, nomos means distribute. So what we do is we distribute our gifts to other people. We're stewards. We're stewards of the house of God. We just distribute things to the house, what we have to offer, little things and big things. And by the way, no gift is too small. No gift is too small. Sometimes if you're not used to giving, but just receiving, receiving, receiving all the time, sometimes you don't even know how to give anymore. You don't think you have anything to offer, but that's a lie from hell. That's maybe one of the worst lies from hell, that you have nothing to give. Everyone, at every stage, every age, has something to give Amen. to someone else. Everyone. We distribute grace to God's house and to the world. The amazing body of Christ. Amen? Let's all stand. Thank you, Lord. Chris, could you come up and uh, just if you could just uh, worship to us music. Music is just so powerful. Worship so powerful. Evidently, heaven does it a lot. Stirs the presence of God. And I just think today would be a great day to experience the amazing body of Christ. It's been a little difficult, I think, for us because we're a little worried about, you know, our proximity to one another and getting to each other's face and stuff, praying. So if you could just be mindful of that a little bit, because um, I'm just going to ask people to come up. But I'd like also for some of you to be willing to pray for people. So what I'd like to do is 
I just like to do this uh, old style vineyard and we haven't done it for a while I think uh, I haven't figured out exactly how to negotiate the front anymore with these speakers and from our new format and the cameras and everything but I like to do it this way if I could just have some of you who could identify as being uh, people that like to pray for each other especially on our ministry team or have been a part or one of our leaders or whatever or you know just been around for a while you know who you are. If you could just come up and be willing to offer a prayer for somebody else, why don't you just come up and I'd like you to turn and face the congregation and get as far back as you can on the speakers or on the stage as possible. And I think that there are people that came in with general needs. Then there are people who came in with very, very specific needs. Like perhaps even right now, you can feel in your back because you have back pain that need or maybe you can feel in your system or maybe you are having trouble with even pain in your body other people have this need you have a child that needs to come back to God you have a financial thing that just absolutely needs to straighten up or you have a place that you need to stay you can't find a place to stay or you need a car you just need a vehicle you know you can stand up here if you like so uh, oh so what I'm going to do is, why don't you, as I'm talking, if you would like somebody to pray for you, why don't you just come up here to the front and someone will pray for you. And uh, we're just going to ask God. And so if you could be respectful of your distance, everybody, as they come up. And, and we do this a lot. So come right now if you'd like to receive prayer. And we're just going to be the body of Christ like we always are. But one of the most powerful things, important things to do, and uh, we pray for each other. So as they come up, if you guys could greet them and say hello. And while we're doing that, uh, we'll do some worship. So will give you plenty of time to come up if you like. Or you can just stay in your seat and maybe somebody will find you there and uh, worship. But uh, Holy Spirit, I just pray as we minister to one another, you would just come. And if you're on the live stream, I just encourage you, wherever you are, if you can, why don't you stand up? I'm going to release a prayer to you. May the Lord rest on you during this worship. May God heal your body if that's the need, if you need something specific. If you're worried about a loved one and you need prayer on the live stream and in here, I just pray God would meet you. God would come. Lord, as we pray together, I just ask you to answer our prayers from heaven. As we come in this weak place, we know we're strong. Lord, hear from heaven. And every prayer that's being said right now out in the audience, maybe you don't feel like coming, but you want to just pray and ask God for something special. Who knows? Maybe it'll just somebody randomly happens every Sunday come up and talk to you pray for you and ask you, can I pray for you? Feeling led to pray for you. I don't know. But... So we're just going to do some worship. Feel free to go when you want. But if you just like prayer, you'd like to just stay here and listen to God's voice and ask God to do something amazing for you or for your friends or your relatives, just feel free to stay. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you.